right, welcome everybody to this episode of Breaking Absolutes. Um, I'm thrilled today to get to talk to my friend and my vocal hero, uh, James Labrie, today. Um, since I spoke with James last, their record of View from the Top of the World has released. Um, and so a lot of our focus today will be there. I mean, there's some other things that we'll talk about. And I'll commend you to our first conversation because we covered so much ground uh, for more of James' broader uh, career. But just to be sure, um, those who are unfamiliar with James or have not seen our first conversation, um, just a little bit about um, what the show is and who James is. Um, I, bring I bring artists on that I think are doing really um, important work as well as really amazing work inside the genre of rock and metal. Um, music that I think deserves a broader audience um, because of the artistry and the, uh, the musicianship. And James fits that in, in all sort of the ways that I would consider. Um, so in, in addition to being a longtime fan, um, when I look at, critically, when I look at what James does, I have a, a high regard for the work itself. Um, that work has been recognized in countless chart positions. It's been recognized by the Grammy um, Academy. Um, he's been at it for, you know, 30 plus years. Um, and the most recent record, I, I can't even read you all the chart positions. I'll just, maybe I'll put a link to the image, but um, there almost isn't uh, uh country where the the album hasn't charted um and that's you know that's a that's a remarkable thing when you consider that these guys are 15 studio albums in and continuing to make new music um, when they tour it's just not on the strength of the the song you first heard them um play you know in the in the early 90s so so with that as my setup let me just bring james on and we'll get rolling james welcome hi peter <clears throat> that is quite quite the epic uh, introduction there my friend well, people need to know. Uh, um, <laughs> no, that's great. I like to, I, I get to do it, man, because, um, you know, you're, and this is a good thing. You're a humble, you're a humble guy, always have been. I think it's one of the things right. people say about you. Um, so I like to be able to sort of nod to how others and, and sort of, you know, institutions have um, recognized your vocal work. Um, mm -hmm. Fans, of course, love it. Right. And we're going to dig into a bunch of it. Um, but before we get rolling too deep, I, one of the, I do a, a ton of prep for these because I, I hate to bore the people I have conversations with. And I don't want right. to cover ground you've done. But when I was just mm -hmm. doing a little looking around, it seems to me that just recently you broke the Internet when you talked when you shared the story about uh, having been offered a potential chance to sing for Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. When I did a search for James Labrie, there were just a gazillion uh, hits on this. And I um, I read the I read the article so I, I don't need you to cover the ground again I was more interest interested I mean it seems to me really kind of a uh, a rational choice a, 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 a an obvious choice that right. if they needed a replacement someone who had the clarity and the power the oscillating vibrato that you have would make sense for um, for the band but it, what I was more interested in is there is your reason for saying you know I'm not the right guy and I was hoping that you could just double click on that for you know, for the folks that are with us and that'll see this, because I think it's, I think it's really, um, well, I'll let you say it, but I think it's, it's yeah. it says something pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, I think the, the one main reason there's, there's two points. There's two main points here. The first point is I was already in dream theater. We had already recorded the album images and words. And to me, it was just, uh, it was, 
it was not appropriate. <laughs> you know, this was a band that I that I had 100% belief in that if we uh, play the cards right, we're going to be uh, we're going to experience uh, longevity in this career that you can come and go within three to five years. Yeah, that seems to be you know what what the the average is for for most bands out there which is really unfortunate but so that being said i, I you know for me it was already i was already dream theater uh we'd already uh, we were about to release uh the images and words and i just to me it was it was just bizarre uh didn't make sense but the other point was and this was one of the main points i made to to rod and merc was you know what guys i've been down that road before and you know as as amazing as iron maiden is uh, I was in a band in Canada back in the uh, mid eighties and they had already had three albums out and the band was called Coney Hatch. And I went in and started singing for them, started recording new songs. Uh, but when I was out live, uh, it was just, a, you know, I was uh, to me in the back of my head, I was like, okay, you know, I'm having a great time. I'm out here, I'm on stage. There's lots of people in front of me and I'm doing what I love to do, sing, right? So there was that part, but the other part to me was I was always, I'm always going to be imitating who this guy is. Right. And that was Carl Dixon was the original singer. And I said, I'm a glorified jukebox hero. That's what I am. Yeah. And I said, you know, no, I, I want to create my own. And I knew with Dream Theater, that first of all, it, this was a force to be reckoned with musically. It was just, I, you know, it was almost, uh, you know, ineffable right you know i just like what have, what do we got going on here so um i i basically that, that was my reasons I, I i saw something here where i was going to be known as the singer i mean neil pert came in for rush on the second album i came in for dream theater on the second album. right uh. you know? and uh you know people aren't thinking about too much john rusty or you know from rush or they're not thinking too much about um Charlie Dominici, even though these, these guys deserve respect. Sure. Um, so that was the reason, basically, you know, I want to create my own. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I wanted to hear a little bit more about because, um, you know, it's one thing to step into a, a, a opportunity where you're going to have an immediate audience, um, get heard sure. a lot and there's a lot of appeal there, but you are kind of a cover singer, at least until you start doing more albums. Um, that's great. Exactly. And, and, you know, you, you, to your credit, you recognized what Dream Theater was and, and what it could be. But the, the most important thing that I just um, I want to hold up for folks, too, if they haven't heard this, is, you know, your, your desire to be sort of um, recognized for what you're, you were going to do creatively, you know, mm -hmm. on your own. And, yes, Charlie was there first, and that's to be respected. Um, but, sure. as, but as I said last time, there's a, there's a very real um, way in which – Dream Theater kind of hit the map and the chemistry and everything once you joined. Um, Correct. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm sure that that story will continue to spin, but um, I just wanted to hear a little yeah. bit more about, and it's not, I a, mean, you know, it, it, the crazy thing is, is like, you know, in the years to come, uh, you know, I'm, I met Bruce Dickinson oh. and, you know, we did a show with uh, like, I don't know how many people uh, are aware of this, but, you know, back in June of 92, now the album came out, I think, July 7th of 92, but back in June, we did about five shows to kind of warm up and, you know, doing all this stuff. And, and we actually backed up Iron Maiden at the Ritz in oh, wow. New York. 
and they were just about to start. It was like almost a warm up gig for them. They were about to start the tour, uh, Fear of the Dark. And uh, so we went on and we, and we did it, and, you know, and Bruce was amazing. He came on stage after we had performed in New York and he said, you know, give it up for these guys, Dream Theater, man, that, that, that's something like these guys are really kicking it, you know, and he recognized it then. And then a few years later, here we are and we're on his BBC show because Bruce uh, hosted a BBC show for, for quite some time. And him and I talked, you know, and obviously talked about voice and, and all that stuff. And then it went on as time kept going on. We, we kept doing big shows with Iron Maiden. Eventually, uh, you know, throughout Europe, the big festivals, we were on the same bill. Um, and then eventually we did a whole North American tour in 2009 yeah. with them. Uh, so we got to know one another uh, quite well. And we had that mutual respect for one another because, you know, he, I remember him saying, you know, you kind of remind me of like, a, uh, like, you know, like a, like a 70s classic singer, rock singer, you know, like, like Ian Gillen and all that stuff. And I'm going, I'll take that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, man. I'll take that. Not a problem. Not a problem. But no, it, it was cool, you know, but just to, to, uh, it, it was, Bruce was always meant to be the singer of Iron Maiden. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And that's not taken away from Blaze, you know, but that it was Bruce. Just leave it there. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, and while we're kind of on this topic, generally, there's, um, there are this, there's this like, kind of binary distinction that has some merit that is there is a class of singer in rock and metal that in in large part approaches <coughs> voice with a lot of clarity principally, right, right. principally clear and then there's yeah. there's i guess there's maybe a third class in my mind there's one that's introduced a lot of grit and that sort of um david coverdale thing and then there's a this a new style that's really really like uh, aggressively um distorted um yeah mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of the new singers that are singing rock that I hear that are coming up that are doing new things. They're, they're doing this sort of classic grit, which is cool, but there's, there's far fewer vocalists who seem to be taking the track of, I'm going to really dig in to be able to hit these clear, you know, really th these notes with, with a lot of tone and uh, right. pitch. There's not as many guys doing that. Well, um, I think because, you know, my, my, uh, my whole theory on that, Peter, is that when you are singing notes with some grit in that, there's room for uh, a variance in in uh, pitch, and and it and it also creates that distortion is it to a certain degree is forgiving, yeah. you know, uh, when you're hitting something that's pure, as you say, or clean, yeah. and the tones have to be right on the money, uh, that's when it you know, that's, that's a big challenge yeah. uh, for any, for any singer out there, any singer, even if that happened to be their style from, from the very beginning. And as you know, I've always liked to try to mix the two styles. Yeah. So on some songs, I'll do a little bit of a rasp, but it's more subtle, but I'm using it more as a tool to be more effective. And then the other parts of, of me is like, I, I generally want to sing clean and sing clear. But I, th I think that that has a lot to do with it. And I remember speaking with other vocalists around the world, you know, and these guys are world renowned and, and even other uh, vocal coaches. And they'd say the same thing. You know, when, when you start introducing rasp, there's a, there's a, a sort of a, a veil that comes down over the voice, you know, and it camouflages any of the uh, fallible 
uh, elements, you know, and then, but when you're singing clean, there's absolutely no room. <laughs> you screw up on your, your pitch or your delivery, just the delivery itself, yeah. you know, what it is that you're trying to uh, evoke is, is going to be, it's going to be lost if you don't do it correctly and you don't do it with, uh, with sincerity, you know, like, I think that's a lot of thing that I look for in singers is like, are you just going through the motion or are you really behind everything that you're singing, whether you're in the studio or with your life, mm -hmm. are you there for the right reasons? Or are you just, you know, have you become a, a puppet or have you become a, a robotic, so to speak, right. you know? Yeah, it's you're that's absolutely right. Um, one of the things I feel like I've got created an ear for over time is hearing whether or not the vocalist had that sort of commitment to what they were singing uh, as a, as an expression of the the lyrical content or as an emotional mm -hmm. expression to the music versus um, right. Hey, I'm a singer in a rock band singing a song, and there's a there's even ways that guys um, move their lips and their you know the the, the gesticulations. Um, right. that feel sometimes affected as though, hey, watch me, versus them kind of getting inside the song and being watched for the emotional sort of delivery. And those are, mm -hmm. that's a, I know that this is, seems like it may be splitting hairs, but I've, I've, I have less tolerance for someone who's trying to look like a rock star. Yeah, <laughs> same here, same here, man. You, 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 can't, you can't do that because it, it you know, it, it just turns into uh, like a, yeah, you're, you become a, a parody of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just too forced. And it's like, it's very stereotype and everybody's thinking about the big pose. Like how many movies have you watched or can you even get through where it's based on rock and roll and the stars? And you're like, are you kidding? Yeah. This is so, it's so forced. It's so posed. It, that's not the way it is. Yeah. Most people, people that are respected, musicians that are respected and go out there and they just they present themselves knowing that this is the way that I accomplished that which I am about to do. Yeah. And it's there's no pose or anything like that in the world that's going to do that unless it's a unless it's a, a an actual technique that you've incorporated that allows you to do something, right? Yeah. Then okay, then then I guess if you want to look like you're you're about to tell a joke every time you go for certain notes, then go for it. <laughs> You know, yeah, but no, I, I mean, yeah, no, I know I, no. I, I, I don't want to throw shade on, on everybody's, no. you know, I'm, I'm happy for anybody who's trying to sing, sing rock or metal, but there is, um, yeah. um, I spend so much energy on voice and critiquing mm -hmm. voice, um, and practicing voice that when I mm -hmm. see guys doing it almost irrespective of the natural talent they may have, I kind of, I kind of am watching and listening for the delivery, which is what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, I think you grow to a point where you can hear and see the authenticity versus um, someone who, for whom it's, it's more about ego. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. I think um, anyone that is, that is, that is very true to their craft and, and uh, very dedicated, uh, let's face it. I mean, we're, we're, we're sitting there and we're listening with a different set of ears and eyes. You know, and it's it, and it's not that you know. And I'm sure I know the kind of person you are, and you're, you're extremely talented, as well, vocally and as a, a composer, and and so on and so on. Wow, hey, and I love you as an author, you yeah, know. You. And um, but but you know you know yourself as well. Like you don't go out there and fold your arms, as if you're the you know, a judge 
on a contest when you watch a band. I don't, like I say, just, you know what? I'm here to enjoy this. And this person's going to give me what they can. And hopefully I'm going to have a great time yeah. this evening. And more than, and nine times out of 10, I do, you know, and, and most people do. But uh, it's just, I think it gets to a point where, you know, you can tell the musicians that are there that have spent the time that, um, you know, are always each and every single time uh, they're doing something that is speaking of their instrument, they are completely 100% committed, yeah. you know, whether, hey, and, and you know, whether, whether they feel like shit that night or whether they uh, are going through something personally, you know, that that's besides the point. It's it's in that moment. What are you giving me? And and for the most part, the musicians that I respect or the bands that I respect are there for the right reasons. And you can you can you feel it immediately. And this, you know, not not to rabbit hole here, but I think it's a kind of an important topic when <clears throat> there. This also extends into the presentation, like the live show. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's there's some shows that are so highly choreographed and. Um, you know, there's just so much presentation value that's considered Correct. that it's it visual, starts yeah. to feel a little bit stiff versus mm -hmm. um, the what I think is what I love about live shows is to be really honest with you is the imperfections. Not that I'm listening for them, but the mm -hmm. when the when the band, you know, when one of you guys looks at the other and we see that knowing look like you just missed a thing and there's yeah. a smile. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or yeah. Um, you know, uh any any number of the things that happen because live mm -hmm. is live. Um, That's right. Yeah. There's a difference between like if it if the show is so constructed that it, um, there's no there's no room for that, then I may as well have stayed home and listened to my CD. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and yeah. No, I hear you. Like I I think that that's that's part of who and what we are. You know, is is the fact that you know we're we're you can't be. 100% on the ball. Yeah. Every single night that you go out there, that that's freaking that's just even Neil Peart himself, I keep I keep coming back to him, but he even said what other job can you say to me that you are expected to be 100% on each and every time you are doing that. Yeah. So that it's just a, you know that's not possible. That's not yeah. feasible. You know, and this is coming from one of the greatest and, and that that's true. Like, you know, we'll be on there and even though it might be a subtle mistake, uh, you know, for us, like, well, nah, 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 nobody's going to, nobody's going to know that you did that. Don't worry about it. You know, but yourself, you're sitting there and you go, yeah, I think they're, you know, be, especially ourselves because we are on under the microscope, you know, and, and, and whenever we're playing because of the kind of band we are, like, a, right. you know, our fans just tend to be, uh, a little more critical because they want they want to say well if you have the audacity to put that into your music when you're in the studio i want to see it live <laughs> you know and it's kind of like well whatever you know everyone everyone is going to uh be sensible when they're in the studio going look man i don't want to do something here that i'm going to have one hell of a time uh, reproducing live each and every night. And it, it, if that is the case where you know that you're up against something due to your health or whatever, then it's up to you to be the professional and say, well, I'm not going to do that, which they've come to expect tonight. I'm going to alter that. And I'm going to do a variable, you know, variance of that. And and that's cool too, because yeah. some, of my, some of my greatest freaking singing heroes, I've seen them do it. 
countless times where they change the melody, they bring it down, whatever it is that they might be doing. I go, I respect that because you didn't try and go. And I'm guilty of that where I'm not even feeling right. And I'll still go, I'm going to freaking go for it. And then when I go for it, I'm like, whoa, why did I do that? You know, because it's, it's not only letting, okay. So the fans are going, whoa, what the hell was he trying to do there? It's letting myself down going. You could have been more professional. You could have altered that melody. You could have hit something else that was still musical and still got the point across, you know, but we're all guilty of that because it's, it's just, it's just human nature to say, well, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up and I'm going to, I'm going to go for whatever it is I have to do, whether I'm feeling it or not, you know, and, that, and that's part of, you know, that, that's part of being a musician as well is that there's that, that little, you know, red devil on the, on one side of your shoulders, right. Saying, oh, come on, we can do it. We can do it. I know you're not feeling up to it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, this is where, this is where I'm hoping these kinds of conversations can help calibrate yeah. expectations uh, of the yeah. of the vocalist because yeah, yeah. all I, I think all of the musicians in a band like Dream Theater because mm-hmm. of the style of music deserve some forgiveness from time to time, but the, yeah, but, sure. the but but the a, a person like yourself that is singing this kind of music, mm-hmm. um, even if it's stuff you know that you're you're in the studio and you're um, you're going after something assertive, um, I frankly want that. I want that. Sure. I want that captured as a performance in time. And sure. if we're on the road, and I, you know, I, I hear you do something different. Mm-hmm. My immediate thought is not, oh, well, he can't sing that anymore, or right. he's not so good anymore, or I want right, my money right. back. It's oh, <laughs> yeah. it's, well, you're not getting that. <laughs> yeah, right. Where I go is, yeah. hey man, uh, he's got to sing what. Uh, 250 of these shows over the next yeah. 10 months and yeah. the dude's probably got three, three hours, hours a night yeah. Yep. yeah yeah yep. yeah he's no. probably you know getting some not so awesome catering every night yeah he's having to yeah. talk to guys like me constantly <laughs> uh <laughs> no, you know uh, it's that's brutal. what keeps me sane but but you know it's it's funny you say that it's funny you say that peter because like i when we have taken out bands in the past and you know and you'll see the the bands, they're all psyched, they're hyped. Oh yeah, man, opening up for Dream Theater. And, and that's great. Hey man, take it, absorb it, embrace it, and do all you can. And it's funny because the first two weeks are out there and they're, you know, they're just flying on adrenaline. And that's what they're on. They're, they're all high on this adrenaline rush. And then two weeks later, I'm telling you, I'm not, I, I can't count the number of times that the singer is coming up to me and going, do it, you know, I'm really having a hard time. My throat is screwed up and uh, you know, I'm having a hard time singing every night. And I'm like, well, you know, you don't, don't think that you're just going to go out there and blow up the mic every night. You know, you gotta, first of all, come back, you know, do what you're capable of. Uh, And then I'm asking them stuff like, okay, are you smoking? Are you drinking? Are you, are you sleeping well? Are you drinking a lot of fluids? Are you taking vitamins? Are you exercising? And out of maybe those five or six questions, it's three of them is, oh, no, man, no, I drink, I smoke, and I'm not getting a lot of, you know, and I'm talking a lot. And I'm like, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, give your your voice a break, you know? That's like a guitar player coming off stage, taking his guitar, it's still on his shoulders, and he's still playing while he's sitting in the tour bus, and he's still playing and doing shit. It's like, what? Who does that? So, you know, I'm telling them, be quiet, like get on the tour bus, do your cool down, your vocal cool down. You know about that, Peter. Yep. And do your cool down and then shut the hell up. 
you know, yeah. watch a movie, read a book, you know, yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. That I, th I don't think enough vocalists know. I may have said this last time, but the vocal trainer I had, he drilled into my head the idea. He said, uh, speech is the enemy to the singer. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. uh, and I've heard tons of like Broadway people say exactly what you just said, which mm -hmm. is one of the best things you can do is shut up. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you're not being antisocial. It's no, none no. of that. You just, you yeah. they have to understand that you're, you have to do right. what you need to do to preserve your, you know, mm -hmm. you, you have so much vocal stamina. You can't spend right. it anyway. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, um, that's yeah. good. I want to, I want to, I need to ask you before I forget. So uh, beautiful shade of gray. Mm. What, what can you tell me other than release date? Anything? I mean, I know the players. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, not too much at this point, Peter, uh, but I would love to be on your show to, you know, to really speak in full about that. But uh, let me put it to you this way. I think that, uh, what I can say is that it came out, I, I mean, we're all so excited. The label is extremely excited about it. Um, and I think what we were going after, we definitely attained full aces. Like it's like, uh, you know, I think, um, I think everybody's going to be really excited to hear this. Uh, it, it's, it's stylistically, it's a little different. It's more organic. Uh, even though there is a full ensemble, like I said, you know, keyboard, piano, uh, rhythm, uh, you know, but it's more acoustically, like, so it's acoustic guitars, you know, layered, so it's big, yeah. huge. Um, and um, and then I had like, the, so the guy that I wrote with is uh, Paul Logue, and he's from Scotland. And um, he was in a band called Eden's Curse, who I happened to uh, sing a, a duet on... Uh, one of their songs called No Holy Man back in 2010. Yeah. And so Paul and I became good friends. We we kept saying over the years, hey, man, we got to get together and we got to do something. We've been talking for like uh, about 10 years. You know, we kept in contact. Paul would always come out to the Dream Theater shows when we were in the area. In fact, we, we in fact, we took out uh, Eden's Curse in 2000, uh, man, I'm going to say 2011, 2012, uh, throughout Europe with us uh, on a tour. And um, and just like I said, over the years, we've, we've been talking, we'd like to sit down and, and write an album. And we finally did. It was, it was crazy how this happened, Peter. Uh, so Dream Theater's last show of uh, Distance Over Time was in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, February 23rd, 2020. And the next day, uh, the 24th, we were at the Glasgow airport waiting to fly home. Everyone was going home because we were done that leg of the tour. Little did we know we'd never come back out again because of the uh -huh. pandemic, but uh -huh. no one else did. But Paul happened to be, he's walking through the airport and he sees me and he comes over, hey, James, how you doing, man? I'm going, hey, how you doing, man? He goes, you know, I was at the show last night. I go, why didn't you email me? And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't have my new email. That's my, that's my bad. And um, anyway, so we, we were talking and he, and he said, listen, let me know if you ever have any time. Cause I'd still love to do that. And I said, you know what, let's, let, let's talk. I'm going to get home. Give me a few days to unwind and let's see what happens. Well, lo and behold, two weeks later or two and a half weeks later, the world shut down and, and, uh, I was talking to him shortly thereafter, and, and he said, 
uh, I think now's a good time. What do you think? And I said, yeah, I think we've got some time. Let's write, you know, so we did. So, but, uh, you know, it, it, it goes on uh, a little more extensively than that, but I can only talk about so much. Yeah. Well, we'll, yeah. Uh, we'll plan definitely in the spring when you get mm -hmm. gearing up to, to go deeper, when you can disclose more. Sure. I'm excited sure. for it though, because um, based on your descriptions of the music, I mean, you, you sound good against everything, but, um, and one of the things that when, when we get to the new Dream Theater album we'll talk about mm -hmm. is the degree to which you're called upon to sing over very frenetic, polyrhythmic, lots going on, wall of sound music, and still sound great, and sometimes make sense of it for the listener with your right. tying it together with your vocal. And then there are times with Dream Theater where they, it's a, there's a breakdown section, and I think I heard John say in an, one of your recent Dream Theater interviews, he called it crooning, which I, I love because it harkens back to that time with the vocalist, it was just about the voice. You just listened to the voice. And yeah. um, uh, absolutely, it sounds you know. like this, this, this record of yours is going to have a lot of opportunities for us to hear you do that. Oh my God, man. I, I, I that's enough. That's one of the big reasons why I'm really excited. Hey, listen, I'm excited for people to hear the dream theater album because sure. you know what I did on there and, and the melodies that I constructed along with, with uh, John and, and stuff, uh, you know, and Jordan piped in too as well. Uh, you know, it, it just, it just made sense. The, the one thing is, is like, I always want to approach every, each and every song so that it's, and you can, you can relate to this and appreciate this is that it's got to be singer friendly. And not only that, it's, it, it, you can't just write something for the sake of writing it because, okay, well, this is a vocal part. So do something like it, it has to be a perfect marriage each and every time. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I, I've always really held in high regard, because the only way that I'm going to be able to express myself and let people hear exactly what I'm trying to express fully and completely engaged in what it is that's going on at that particular moment in the song is if the, the melody is powerful, if the melody makes absolute sense. And I think, you know, and with this, the, the new solo album, I'm really excited because I spent a lot of time writing the melodies and all, you know, the lyrics. Uh, Paul wrote uh, one lyric and uh, a song that he was, uh, he had been working on before we even got together. So it was really cool to hear his, uh, his take on that song. But then again, I crafted it to the kind of singer that I am. But every other song is it like the, the, the melody and the lyrics are something that I knew would be able to use every facet of my voice and to really be able to hear. Like there's some stuff I'm singing extremely high and there's some stuff that I'm like what you just said, crooning. And the album throughout really gives me that opportunity to really kind of be extremely evocative. Yeah. And, and the, the cadence that is being used and so on and so forth, it, it just makes absolute sense. So it, it, it delves into something that would be extremely dynamic and expressive, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I remember the first time you and I had an extended conversation and I asked you the very typical question that I'm sure you've mm -hmm. been asked ad nauseum um, mm -hmm. about influences. And I don't, I don't want to ask you that question, but what I want to do is no. tell you that um, or, or talk about when we had that conversation, you told one of the names you threw at me was Nat King Cole. 
Yep. And it, it, I was like, I grew up listening to Nat King Cole because sure. the, uh, they tried to tell us um, um, we were too young. That, that song about that he sings that he's famous for was the song that my, my parents were married to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I grew oh, up listening so cool. to him, you know, and, and his rendition of Christmas song is probably the best oh, rendition ever sung. I mean, he has one of the most unique, beautiful, like, I, like I've said this to you before, his voice is silk. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just it, it's it's caressing and and it's such a rich tone. And he had perfect pitch. Uh, he he was uh, just a, a phenomenal musician himself with yeah. the, the King Co trio and and stuff like that. But my father was listening to him all the time. You know, my father was listening to Nat King Cole. He absolutely loved him and uh, adored him as a musician and and as a person. If the, the few times that you'd see him like in interviews and that he was a perfect gentleman. And, you know, and then, you know, my father also loved like, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra and Perry Como and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I remember, you know, my, my dad would pull me aside and say, like, listen to this guy, because, you know, uh, you yourself, I'm sure I, I was at a, a very young age that, that I was absolutely magnetized and, and drawn and, and enraptured with, uh, with or enamored with, uh, with singers, like voice. It just absolutely grabbed me and from five years old on but I still remember just sitting in the living room with my dad and he'd be spinning that King Cole records and I'd be like wow yeah. this is really cool and I do the same thing at Christmas oh my god man I think everyone's probably spinning that King Cole yeah. at Christmas He's a you know He's for a sure staple. oh absolutely I, absolutely. Um, I you know I later as I started to pay more attention to voice and and there's all mm -hmm. kinds of rock singers that we've talked about in the past and you've talked about that are yeah. good and deserve yeah. the space but there's this there's this era of singer that gets less play today with folks and it, it is these guys that sing a lot of the standards i mean a guy who was about as big a rock star as you could have on the planet was bing crosby and, oh, yeah, and yeah, people yeah, right. know him for white christmas but man that yeah. talk about silky voice yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, did you ever see that that video that he did with uh, David Bowie? Yeah. Did you ever see that? And yeah. uh, I think it was like 1969 or something like that, or maybe it was 70, 70. And Bing was up there. Like Bing was yeah. up there in age. And, you know, here's this young, freaking great looking dude, David Bowie coming on, you know, and had a very, there's another guy who had a very unique voice, great musician. And you could see them both singing together, but you could see that, uh, David Bowie just completely revered this guy as a singer. Yeah. As a, he was iconic, right? Yeah. You know, Bing Crosby. But, but, but David Bowie, you could just see that, that it was sincere. Like he was like, wow, you know, there's, look at this guy. There's you know? so much to be learned, um, I think, for vocalists if they'll go back and, and listen to some of those guys. I was, I did this with Tony Bennett. Uh, you know, he's, he's, mm. he's at the end of his mm -hmm. career because he's, he's got some health stuff. And, and I think he just performed his last concert recently. And Lady, right. Lady Gaga was a guest and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if mm -hmm. you go back to his early, there's, I think there's some of this thing, uh, he, some television appearances. Not only did he have that silkiness, that dude had power. Oh my God, he did. I, I always thought that, Peter. You're absolutely right, man. That guy had a powerful voice. Yeah. He could belt it. 
he could totally belt it out there you know like the other guys they they had those beautiful tones and and, and very rich in that but they would never like he was he was a force he was to be reckoned with yeah those guys knew sure. how to put over a song i mean going maybe yeah. tying back to what we were talking about before about delivering a song with authenticity and, and not mm -hmm. simply to be seen singing, but to be inside the song. Those guys, right. man, they knew how to do it. Uh, oh my God. It's a oh, study. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep um, for sure. And it, it, you know, I have this, you can tell me what you think about this. Um, I, I, I built in my mind a dichotomy of vocalists and broad stripes. One is a vocalist, which is the camp you belong in. Um, not, not b because you've studied, but because the way you, treat the instrument and and use the instrument. And then there's a, a, a singer who I call a stylist. I don't think they have particularly good technique. Um, I don't think they think about the, the, the voice in that way, but they have a certain style that um, bec can become quite popular. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I there's some guys like, I'm going to probably take some heat for this, but guys like Mick Jagger, I don't think they're mm -hmm. great vocalists, but I think they're great right. stylists. And yeah. you know what I mean? Is that, no, is that... I, I, I complete like they're, they're more like a, a character voice, yeah. you know, they have that character voice and, and it's something you can relate to. They've, they've done, they've done a tremendous job with it for sure because they know how to sell it. And that in itself is a talent, yeah. you know, no doubt. to know because they know their limitations, but they still know how to win you over. They yeah. still know how to grab your attention and to keep you engaged in whatever it is that they're singing and you're right you know like it's not necessarily a go-to hey you know i want to attain this level of being able to sing like this well you're not necessarily going to go to character vocalists you're going to go to singers that like a like a steve perry or right. something like that you know or steven yeah. tyler even or you know whatever we all we talked about it, robert plant and, yeah. and so on and so forth it's those are the singers that were so incredible with their voices you know another like lou graham and and that where you're you're listening to a singer but i i get it too like what you're saying is that that is a completely different school of singing and approach yeah but it's it's just as effective if it's done properly yeah like when i've said this to people i think they feel like i'm trying to set one above the other and i'm not because you may have someone who's a really no. great singer who no. Uh, it has a lack of style, but there's, there's guys who, a lot of the guys that came out in the grunge area, I live in Seattle. I would put most of them in that category. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to ask them to do some really athletic singing and to hit notes and to do, you know, but, right. but if I want a certain style and a certain mood, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of those guys who could do that really, really well. Exactly. Um, so, and it's, that's just, like you said, it's just as valuable um, but it's different. And it's, so it's how right. I've been able to make sense of when someone will say, well, that person's not a really good singer. It's like, no, but they, they, there's a sense of style in how they approach the voice. that's really cool. And by turns, there's, it, it allows for me to look at a guy like you um, or a guy like Ray Alder or some of these you know, voices that I think just have real ability and say, that's mm -hmm. a different thing. And um, a stylist would not work for Dream Theater. Right. Um, I, right. I don't believe right. you could put a stylist in there. And so when these when these ridiculous conversations come up, and I hope you don't read them, <laughs> but these ridiculous no, conversations where people start saying, well, what if we did this with the band? And we, it's not just you. They're like, what if we, you know, did this? And I'm like, um, well, you know, if, it's a, if, if you're just trying to, to um, blather on on Facebook, that's one thing. 
but it's yeah. a matter of like really thinking yeah, like about a fantasy it. right mm -hmm. yeah you don't you don't um there's there's so many of these these conversations that that just aren't don't make any sense musically um no and no. and that and this is where i started to think about voice in this sort of binary way mm -hmm. anyway well you know what like i, I think it, it the the internet has given people a voice and from every walks of life whether and and it's created to a certain degree it's created a toxicity within those those conversations um and you're you're right no i don't, I don't read it because when i did it was just like some of the people's uh tone or what they thought was uh something that hold that held validity it was so ridiculous and it's like you know what you're talking in you're completely ignorant and you've never uh, really, you don't know everything that goes into it. You know, and uh, that's another thing where I've been around other singers and I'm not mentioning any names, um, but everybody knows who they are. Uh, you know, they're that big. Um, and they, they all say they're, they're, they're all dealing with that to a certain degree. And it's like, why? You know, it, it's just so uh, dehumanizing. And, and it, it, just, it just makes to, to me no sense. If you got nothing nice to say, if you don't like it, you know, and, and that's fine. Like, I get it. It's subjective, right? But if you don't like somebody's voice, then don't listen to it, Well, you and, know, and, and, and just don't. And, and if you're not going to take into consideration that, you know, maybe uh, that vocalist is going through something that night, or maybe you saw him and he was struggling, maybe he shouldn't even have been on stage that night. That probably would have been better. But, you know, because I've seen some of my favorites, and I've seen them extremely compromised, and I'm like, oh fuck! Oh my that gosh, sucks. Think that sucks. Think of Steve Perry has done some things that yeah. where he came out and did some live things, and it gets a phone camera, and people are like, oh, you know, I'm so I'm so crushed because of listening to Steve sing. Part of me's yeah. like, I'm really glad he's still singing. Yeah, um, yeah, I know, but, I know. But but and the, you know what? I remember even going back into 1995, and you know, like Steve was out, uh, uh, he was doing a, a solo, a solo tour, and um, and you know, like I, he he was even like saying in, in interviews and stuff like that. He goes like, nobody knows what it's like to walk in these shoes, yeah, because you have to be up. And and he goes, I created it. Now I have to be able to, I have to be able to reimagine it each and every night. But not only that, I got to be able to make it happen. And he said, it's it's not always possible. It's not always possible. And so even for the greatest and the greatest have been out there and they've said it themselves, you know, but you know, if that's fine, like if people feel better about themselves because they can be, uh, you know, critical and then they do have a voice and then they get other people on their side. So be it, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to buy into it. I'm not going to read into it. And I think that those people, it's sad if that's, if that's how you value yourself, that you can cut down someone else yeah. and feel like you've made a difference. You know, and these are the same people that if they were to walk on stage with you and you said, well, then show me how it's done. But not only tonight, I want you to show me the next 200 shows, how it's done. Yeah. I want you to show me this, you know, well, and then they would probably be crying and they'd be a, a heap of dirt. You know what I mean? And so that is probably is as critical as I'm going to get with those people. But you know what? Go ahead. If you feel good about yourself and you really think that you're you're some kind of a hero in those uh communities and so yeah. be it you it's, know it reminds me of that quote uh, by teddy roosevelt called the man in the arena 
I don't know if you've ever read that, but it, no. it, to just to paraphrase, he basically says, you know, the the, the critic, um, the the uh, I'm I'm going to pull it up while we're talking and read a bit of it. Okay, but sure. Basi- but yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. it's it's um, it's the idea yeah. that the it's the person who's doing it who's um, you know trying to to commit themselves to doing something interesting. That's where the real value is in. Correct. Um, it says um, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the uh, the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs mm-hmm. to the man who is actually in the arena. And then he goes on from there. Wow. And, and, and it's really, That's so true. It's That's really so true. powerful. And, yep. and um, I, I, the only reason I, 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 I didn't brought this up, I think is because this, I had this idea of how I mm-hmm. in broad strokes think about voice. And when people get into these thought exercises about, well, what if I did this plug and play, I think, well, would you ever um, like take, hey, let's take a Monet painting and a Rembrandt and stick them on top of each other. That would be cool. It's like, no, because mm-hmm. then you've destroyed both. So, exactly. So exactly. Y- when you start saying that kind of stuff, it, it's really all it is, is you sort of declaring um, um, musicians that you love. And, right. you know, there might be some sort of honest, like, it would be cool if all of my loves were together. Yeah. Um, but it, it gets it gets acerbic sometimes. Well, here here's the thing, though, Peter, and like I'm sure you're aware of this, but, you know, like so I do cameo these days and, and it's just my way. And, you know, I actually do them and people go, why is he doing that? He doesn't need the money. No, I don't. But you know why I do it? Because now I'm committed to making sure that I go and I sing here and there and I sing, sing, sing. But it's funny. One of the craziest, some of the craziest stuff because I'm doing it a cappella. So guess what? I'm out there. I'm naked. You're hearing me. Okay. And everybody goes, well, he's always like, you know, they're always tweaking, tweaking. I'm like bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. I'm the real deal. I'll sing. I can sing you the pitch. And yeah, if you've heard me live and sometimes I'm pitchy, I'm tired. Take it to bed with you. Have fun with that. Okay. Yeah. But with the cameos, I'm like right there. I'm singing in a bathroom. <laughs> You know, and I'm singing for these people. And it's so funny because because I'm doing the acapella thing, I'm elongating the notes. I'm not like the band isn't behind me playing. So I'm free willing. Yeah. I'm free spirited. So I'm creating my own time. I'm creating however I want to hold a note, how, how long I want to hold a note or a phrase or whatever like that. And the people are coming back. Going, Look, at man, he's not even singing in time anymore. And it's so funny. I'm like, are you, do you get what I'm doing? I'm singing a cappella. I'm letting you hear the notes longer so you can feel it longer. Right. And it's it's being free spirited. I don't have a band behind me. So I'm not saying, okay, well, here we are on stage and I only have so much time to sing these words or this phrase or that. I'll do that when I'm out with Dream Theater. Right. But when I'm in my when I'm doing a cameo for somebody, I'm gonna give them a different kind of feel to the song i'm going to give them a different interpretation to the song but people don't get it and right away when i'm reading some of these things and you know they get they get slammed because other fans come in and go are you are you for real like you not realize what he's doing he's just having fun with it yeah. you know but to them they take it serious that that's what i'm only capable of in my timing are you talking to me about timing yeah. if you want to challenge me on timing you go for it <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be an exercise Go in foolishness. Yeah, yeah. Because one Go of the things, it. one of the things I want to talk about when later in our conversation, which yeah. you know we'll pick up tomorrow. But yeah, the, yeah. It's a, you do some very challenging things 
to sing your own vocal rhythms that mm-hmm. that still have to sort of carry a melody over um, really like, odd uh, time. I counted out some of these ti- um, time signatures you're singing over. It's insane. Yeah. Like this is <laughs> cool, really, really cool. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's a, oh, it is crazy. So if it your time, crazy. if your time was bad, they'd have kicked you out a long time ago. Holy shit! No, no. Um, Hey, uh, and when that was the, one of the things is that, you know, when I when I came into the band and we first like jammed and, and stuff like that, you know, I, I still remember uh, when we were doing like uh, learning to live and they were like, uh, how are you singing? Like, you're just you're, I, I said, I'm just feeling it. Yeah. So I, you know, I understand what's going on. Somebody can tell me, OK, you know, the time's like 2311. Oh, really? Is it? Is that is that the time of the day? <laughs> Really, you know, and but the, the thing is, is that I need to actually feel that groove. I yeah. need to feel it, even though somebody will tell me what it is. I, I, that doesn't really matter to me. Um, it's just it, because then you become robotic. And I don't know how some of these musicians do it. I know some musicians are like one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three. And they're doing that. They're, they're, and I'm like, how the hell does your mind not go poof? Yeah. you know, at some point, because I, I would go crazy. But so to me, and I, and I think it helped too, that I played drums for 12 years and stuff like that. It, I, I kind of, I can feel instantly, where is the groove? Where's the pocket? Where is the accent yeah. happening? Even if it's some bizarre timing, time signature, you know, and I think that that's what enables me to be able to still be human and connected to this music, even though it's, it's quite, uh, I don't know, like, uh, you know, it's, it's bizarre at there's, times. Yeah. There's some yeah. places. Um, and I, when I was listening to the most recent record and we'll pick this up later in the conversation, but yeah, sure. there were some, there were some places where I, I, it was very clear that you did some vocal rhythms over some really uh, um, challenging parts. By the way, there's also some places where the, the chord progressions were really unpredictable. And sure. I, I did it by the way, just so you know where some of this is coming from. When I first listened to the record, I captured my initial, I did one of those reactions. I don't typically do reactions because I don't like to mug for the camera like, oh, you know, that's not me. Yeah. But I yeah, listened yeah, yeah. to it as, as thoughtfully as I could. And there were places I was pausing and, and um, making the yeah. comment, James, that there's, there were progressions that you were singing over that were really unpredictably written. And Dream Theater does this. And yeah, that sure. you, I would say that was a very challenging section to have to um, sung melody over. I, I can tell you right now, uh, one in particular. And and so like the way that we were doing like the melodies, like I'd sit at home and I'd write melodies. And then John was sitting at home writing melodies. And then John and I got together in the studio. We come together and it's like, you know, he's playing the acoustic guitar. I'm singing him my melodies, vice versa. And one of the sections we came up to uh, where I wrote the lyrics to The Alien. Now I don't. And, and, well, if you if you go to the second verse, it's in six time, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. But we uh, originally, and I was like, I keep, I kept coming up, and I wrote a completely different melody for that section originally. And then John was like, okay, yeah, I see where you're going with that, but maybe we can be more locked in. And then we're like, how do, what the hell is it? What's going on? And it wasn't until we really listened to what Mike Mangini was doing, and he was playing in six. I forget what the other guys were playing and don't don't ask me that I can't remember right now so all of a sudden we lock into it oh well that's what Mike mentioned one two three four five six one two three four five six one two three four five so understand the meaning certain will extend the scale of consciousness right yeah woman child 
you know, yeah. and then uh, multi planet species out amongst the stars, not stuck in it around. Well, you go ahead and they're like, or just come up to that natural, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, you we so that you're right about that, where it's very almost like dream theater. Well, the music is being written, and it's like, uh, hello. You want me to sing over that? Yeah, Are you dude. freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple there's a couple oh, yeah. sections that are in six that have this almost this waltz feel. Speaking yeah, yeah, of yeah. Nat King Cole, yep. Um, yep. but but then it'll go from six eight to five eight, and places from from um, six eight to seven eight. Oh man! But you still yep. you but, but people are still listening to you, so it'd be really right if you weren't if you didn't do it the right way. It would be, yeah. it would sound stilted and halting, but it doesn't. Oh, absolutely. And so, right. so back to like people questioning your time. And by the way, in the same reaction thing I did, uh, maybe I'll put a link to that. I talk mm -hmm. about your cameos mm -hmm. um, because to me, there's a couple things there. One, there is all kinds of fans who get to have an in interaction with somebody that exactly. they hold in such high regard. Exactly. That has mm -hmm. value all by itself. Then yep. there's a the second piece that is, and I, this is what I said is if you really listen and, and understand what you're, and I, I, I use the lens of I've had training, but if you listen right. to what James is doing acoustically, uh, he's, he's still singing in a very full voice and he pulls it back into the whisper, into the delicate stuff when he needs to, or right, when he wants right. to, but mm -hmm. it, it's acoustic. And I said, if you, if you side by side this with even a lot of these death growly stuff that just sound like they're going to eat your face and they're so big, but you see what these guys do um, in the studio, it is underwhelming. It is underwhelming yeah, how know. they make it. Yeah, I know. And I'm not, I don't I want to throw shade at it. There's some of that. No, that's no, 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 no. Cool. I know. But, but I've seen some of these breakdown videos on YouTube of some of these guys and they, they show you, they kind of demystify how they get to that. And they said, now mm -hmm. contrast that with what James is doing in these simple cameo videos where he's doing, he's hitting all the pitches. It's always on pitch. Right. Right, um, right. I said, so that for me, when people like start to, but it's also the power too. You exactly. Know? And there's and the this projection. fullness and you can hear mm -hmm. like you're in a hall or wherever you are. And there's a little bit of natural reverb, but it's, it, but you can hear that uh, you can hear the voice. And so for me, I actually see mm. those exactly opposite of the critics. I see those as examples of, see, he can still do all the stuff you don't, you, you keep tearing him down for. He still can yeah. do it all with the yeah. same power, you know the what? same there, pitch. You're right, yeah. Peter. There was a guy in California and, and I, I can't remember, uh, but he's, a, he's a, a vocal coach. And supposedly he's well known. And he uh, analyzed, I guess I was doing pull me under. And he said, he was saying the same thing. Yeah. He says, I've seen James six times. Each time I saw him, he's freaking great. Ba, ba, ba. Not like patting myself on the back, everyone, but we're just having this conversation. So let's go for it. And then he kind of analyzed this whole thing. And I was singing, watch a spell phone and give no meaning. Like that whole part and pull me under. Right. Yeah. And, and he was like, listen to what the hell he's doing here, man. You know? And then he would like, he would sing it like he'd go, this is what he's doing. And this is why, and he's being very analytical, but he's spelling it out technically. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm sitting back and I'm watching this guy. And I didn't even know he did this. Uh, actually, Paul Logue, the guy that I just wrote my last solo album, he goes, hey, James, you should check this out. This guy's like, he's, he's nailing it. What, how you approach singing, why you, why you are who you are and why you sound the way you do. And, blah, 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 blah. and I went, oh, I'll go check this out. And I did. And I was like, wow, this guy, everything he's talking about is exactly right. Techni if you want to talk technically, because I know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. So yeah. just like you do when you're singing, you're doing it. You know what you're going to be asking your body to do. 
at any given second and where you're going to be pushing your notes and your diaphragm and everything has to be in sync. And this guy was nailing it. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, no, I, Hello, I, you know, for people who um, are, are maybe less educated on voice and that's fine. You don't have to have done that. But uh, it, I think uh, these actually stand as examples of um, a huge credit to your voice as a man who's in his mid fifties um, doing yeah. all the things he did when he was in his young twenties. Um, right. I, I think that, I think I love listening to them. Um, and so for right. people who have any critique of them, I think it's just sort of a shows a blind spot for their understanding of what. Yeah. The and you is. know what, there's, there's a, there's a lot of it out there and they just want to, like I said, we're going back, like we're kind of doing circles here, but it's just, they have a voice and they're actually getting people to listen and agree with them. But they probably feel like they're freaking like they're a peacock and they got their feathers out. Well, good for you. Yeah. But maybe you should go and do something that actually makes the world a better place to live in. Absolutely. You know? This is the yep. man in the arena. Right. It'd be better for you to yep. go and try and Damn create right. something. Yep. Okay. Um, we're going to spend some time now uh, going into the new Dream Theater record, uh, View from the Top of the World. Um, I did, if you haven't seen, I did a sort of full listen to this record on my first spin um, to kind of capture. It's the first time I've done that. And I, I frankly, I'm not into reaction videos, but I wanted to have this experience with a Dream Theater record because I'd never done it. Um, so, so that'll inform a little bit of my conversation and some of the questions I've got for James today. Uh, James, welcome back for day two. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Yeah, I know, right? What's going on here? Yeah, you and I are. If, we, if we live closer... If we live closer to one another, we could go for coffee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. By the yeah. time this uh, little series is done, you and I are going to be like technical experts at this stuff. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> oh, man. What's going on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, so here's where I want to start um, is with the recording process. And I know you've talked about this uh, a little bit, but the questions I have may be a little different. Um, you've done this now so many times, not just with Dream Theater. Um countless um, uh, side projects that are in your own name. Some of them are you're recording for, um, you know, collaborations and the such over, over this period artists, of time. Right. Yeah. So many, so many um, Ariane um, on and on. There's a huge list mm -hmm. The the question I have is, uh, you know, the technology of course has changed, but aside from right. that, has anything changed in your approach to recording to capture the, the uh, performance you hope to, to share? No, no, I, I, everything is like, <laughs> I don't want to call it old school because it's not, it's applicable. It should, I would, I would highly recommend it to anyone out there that's going in to do a, a session, um, uh, you know, a studio session and, and recording vocals. And I adopted this many, many years, actually even way before I met um, Dream Theater when I go in to record. Um, and it was just, you know, like the, the day before, um, which I kind of do every day. I drink copious amounts of water, it, you know, like liquid is, is very good. Uh, not a lot of juice, because I just find that that's, that's not necessary. Yeah. But um, so what I would do is always the day before, um, like back then I was jogging a lot. So I'd go for a good run. Um, nowadays, I just like I go for a, a good speed walk or whatever you might want to call it. Um, and uh, so and drinking lots of lots of fluids throughout the day, uh, do a little bit of a, a vocal warm up, you know, just letting it go uh, up to the highs, the lows, the mids, all that just to make sure the voice is 
is staying in shape and it's ready, but not really taxing it. Like, you know, maybe singing, you know, half an hour or something like that the yeah. day before. Warming up, definitely I'd always do a little bit of a warm up and then that. And then the day of, you know, uh, making sure that I, I would get up a, a high protein um, in my diet. And then I would um, approach the studio and then do a nice slow warm up and just start to vocalize various things because I'd know exactly what I was going up against too. And um, over the years, I don't know, Peter, if you've ever done this, but I've, I've actually experimented where I would actually, if I, if I knew I was doing something very low and subtle and soft, I actually wouldn't warm up because I'd be curious to hear the tones yeah. and how my voice would just naturally open up yeah. to a track. Um, and then other times I would, then I would do an AB. And then, so I would do that. And that's if you had the kind of time to do that, right? I don't know. Some people go into the studio and they're like, oh no, I only have like a, you know, an hour or two to, to, to record this vocal. Okay. Well then, then, then get in there and maybe warm up before you show up, do a little bit more vocalizing when you get to the studio and then go for it. Yeah. But with me, uh, I I've done that in the past where I've like actually sung something without being warmed up just to get a, a grasp on it, like see the tone. And then I'd warm up and do that exact same part again and see if there's something special within it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, that's kind of cool, you know? Um, anyways, but, 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 you know, generally I always have taken that approach. So then, uh, and before any of that happens, before you even are booked in the studio, I always um, become extremely close to the, to the song that I'm sure. going to do. So I understand the, the, uh, the words, the meaning, what I'm trying to convey emotionally, I already have set in motion. Like uh, probably one of the biggest challenges for me ever in my career was doing the astonishing mm. because I had to think about seven characters, yep. you know, and full on and, and, and create their own personality, their own characteristics vocally yep. so that you could identify with wh whomever it was that I was right. Portraying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just think that anyone going about that, like I've never changed my routine. It, it's always been the same, becoming an extremely well-versed or connected to the song and then warming up the day before, you know, like uh, just really treating your body like a shrine, you know, yeah. and making sure that you can go into the studio and, and nail it and, and put it, you know, put it to where it needs to be. Do you, um, one of the things I've found, and this is part of leading to another question I have for you, because I, I had Jimmy T on the show. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we talked a little bit about some of the recording sessions. Jimmy T! Jimmy T! Uh, <laughs> such a cool guy. Yeah, um, he's great. Great. But we talked at, we, and I'm leading to this question, but have you, do you find when you're in the studio for a long stretch, you know, the voice will um, attenuate to different a sort of timbre later I like for myself, I know the longer I go, I seem to be able to get lower notes. Something happens in my voice. Maybe it's warm or something, but I'm able to get deeper notes with more resonance. Mm -hmm. um, I, so mm -hmm. I wonder, do you, do you have this sort of thing where after you've been in the, in, in the studio for some number of hours, you know, you can do different things. The voice is going to have characteristics or qualities that are different from when you're like fresh on the, uh, in the fresh session. It, yeah. Or is that, no, uh, well, I, I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that happen. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. you. You, the the timbre of your voice does tend to to change. With me, it gets uh, fuller, yeah, and it gets uh, 
like you were saying, you get you get uh, warmer or or uh, you resonate better in the lower notes. Yeah, you, you tend to start going there, and I find the the longer that I sing, I find that the stronger I get. Yeah. So and and that's even in a live situation, like where I can come out on stage and you know the first two or three songs were. I'm like, okay, you know, hey, the voice is on fire, it's going, but it's like, because of the way Dream Theater has toured for so long, we do a set, we take an intermission, and then we go on the second set, and I find when I hit the second set, I'm like, holy smokes, man, yeah. I, I, my voice is at another level, it's like really there waiting for me to, to ask it to do whatever, yeah. and um, it's very strange, because I'll talk to, I've talked uh, with many vocalists from around the world over the years and they say it's the complete opposite they go the first hours man where i'm like hitting and i'm at my peak and that and then i got to start thinking that it's going to you know be a little harder and it's not going to cooperate as much and i'm like wow that that's completely opposite yeah. for me yeah you know? i've i've seen that yeah. you do that in concert i, I we, last time mm -hmm. we spoke i I, I shared with you my uh, concert experience where you guys ended your your night with Illumination Theory, and my, mm -hmm. my first thought was, "Wow, did they really really save that for James to do last?" <laughs> and oh. then and then oh, you yeah. just it was you was just like you were on fire. It was such a oh. it was thrilling, um, oh, and that is different from from many voices. It, and it leads me to this other question. So, mm -hmm. um, Jimmy would talk about like some of your. Um, the vocal sessions and describe them as like, you're in the studio a long time. A yep. lot of the vocalists I know, you know, they've got a couple of hours before, you know, their voice is just too tired to, to continue. Um, and he would, and mm -hmm. it was interesting. He would say, you know, we would maybe take a break. James would be in there vocalizing and stuff. And it just yeah, like this sort of endurance is unique. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted to ask, like when you're doing a long stretch in the studio, mm -hmm. um, I've never heard of someone when they take the, usually it's more resting the voice. So it sounds like, and you can right. correct me if I'm wrong here, you're, you're, you're vocalizing to like, I don't, I don't know why. You're, are you, <laughs> are you, are well, you just two, continue to stay warm? Or? I take a break. Peter. There's two <laughs> reasons I take a break. That is to feed the machine. Ah, yeah. Because I think that is key too. And I've, I've said that to many singers over the years is don't, don't go into uh, a session and not have eaten properly. Like yeah. you, you, the energy all comes from what you just put into your body. So, you know, eat, eat foods that are high protein, but not gonna make you feel sluggish. Like I, I'm the type of person, like I know with, with some people, like I can, I can eat a pizza slice and go in the studio and sing. And some people go, oh my God, how can you do that with the cheese? You know, I get phlegmy, yeah. but, or I can eat a burger and go into the studio and, and well, and people go, no, it just makes me like really heavy. And I'm like, so you got to find out whatever it is that works for you. Yeah. I'll tell you one strange thing I can't do. What's that? I can't eat garlic before I sing. Interesting. It makes, it, it makes me phlegmy. It, it gives me a lot of phlegm and it lowers the tone of my voice. Oh, wow. It's really freaking weird. Yeah. It's really, if, I guess if I was going, everybody loves, well, maybe I'll eat a lot of garlic. <laughs> before I go in there and do that but there's two reasons so I, I do I take the breaks to um, have something to eat to keep me going I even had an opera coach of mine tell me Rosemary Burns and she said eat a chocolate bar and then get right back in there I'm like I'm not gonna do that because I'll be like peeking and then whoa, yeah. you know the sugar rush yeah. right and uh but anyway she, she was funny like she would say stuff like that but um 
And then the other reason is I just I just need to clear my mind. For me, it's more not necessarily, hey man, you know, I, I need a break to give my voice a break. It, it's yeah. it's me to get away from it because I'm so focused on what I'm doing that at some point I'm like, okay, you know, I don't I think I'm losing some of that human touch yeah. Yeah. because I've been so, you know, blind. I got the blinders on and I'm right focused on what I'm trying to project vocally yeah. that you, you start to lose exactly what you were trying to attain your goals. So there, that's the two reasons eat, clear my mind. And then even while I'm doing that, I might be walking around going, Hey, hey, hey you know, like yeah. just a little bit of stuff here and there. Cause I won't take any more than 20 minutes, a half an hour. And then I'll get right back in. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it, I find it, it remarkable the the stretches you can go, and I appreciate the advice there. I know that this that second thing you said is really true for me. If I if I'm going back at the same phrase or something again and again, I'll get to the point where the engineers like um, you just need to sing it. I, I get so inside my head about getting it right, and so I I'll need yeah. to step away, um, because yeah. um, I'm overthinking something. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do that. For and sure. I, I think anybody should do that. It's like if you if you're coming up to a part, you're not feeling it. Don't don't punish yourself. Yeah, don't because it, then it's just not meant to be at that particular moment. You shouldn't be trying to do that. I've I've only come across situations like that maybe a few times in 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 all the years I've been doing this. Yeah, and what I did in those two or three times that it, that it did happen was. I just say, well, you know what? I let, let's just go to the third verse. I'm, I'm ready for it. I know, and then I'm going to come back to whatever it was, right? If it was like the last line of the pre-chorus, or if it was the opening line of the chorus, you know. And then yeah. I'll come back to that. And a lot of times, well, in those three times, it it did work. It was it was actually very beneficial to me, and it got me away from it. So when I came back, it was almost fresh again. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I know what I'm hearing, so now I have to just perform it. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's smart. Um, it's good technique. I have to tell you before we dive directly into the record. Yeah, sure. I heard I heard I heard you talking about um, this process with the the most recent with a, a view from the top of the world because you were remote for part of it, and you described being able to be like on a Zoom like this or something and be able to yeah. mute mute the band. I think you should patent that. You should patent that. Like every singer wants to be able to mute the band when they're just, you know, they're, they're, you know what? every time I said that, everybody, I'm thinking, everybody's going, what? He preferred to just mute the band. Yeah, that's right. Cause I had an idea, you know, whether it was like a melody or a, even a lyrical concept or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it is funny. It's kind that of funny. funny. Cause sure. it, you mute know, the band, it's you just were... a button you hit. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you're, you're usually when you're in the room and they're, they're noodling on ideas and oh, it gets like yeah. very chaotic. It's hard to kind of hear yourself think if you're also trying to do something like if you had right. a mute button. Well, like, for I the... said, like I said, Peter, <laughs> it, it, it was like I'd be sitting. So for all intents and purposes, it didn't really change my world to be remote yeah. because they, I could, I saw those guys individually. They were on my screen, like I'm seeing you here today. And then their instruments were all being pumped through the speakers yeah. or I could go to headphones and it sounded like it was beautiful, actually. Yeah. It sounded great. And it was just like me being in the room. And I, I, in the past, if I got an idea, I'd have to run out of the room because I'm not going to, if they're trying something, I'm like, hey, guys, wait, you yeah. know, 
you can't be that. That's extremely intrusive. Sure. So I'd run out of the room and then, you know, put down my idea on the phone or whatever, and then come back in and go, Hey guys, I had an idea. What do you think of this? Yeah. So now this was beautiful. Yeah. And those guys, they don't hear me. They're going on. I can see that they're just, they're still going. <laughs> just like, I take my mic and I'm like, I got right here. And I just like wail into it, whatever the idea was. So it was perfect. I think, uh, I think you need to patent that as a process. I think it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's not only, I mean, there's the two sides of it. It's absolutely like all the efficacy you just described. It's also kind yeah. of funny. <laughs> it is. It is actually very comical. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's dive into the record. Um, I, when I, uh, not that this matters, but I will just tell you, yep. like the the a lot of the echoes I was hearing, um, n- not as replications, but just like little sonic fingerprints, was from scenes of a memory or from a memory. Mm. Uh, I that and those were neat for me. Uh, there were moments yeah. that were just just, um, and maybe because even though this isn't a concept album. Um, there's a lot of narrative work on this. And um, uh, so with that as a back, oh, and I have to do one thing before we uh, go further. Oh, you're, okay. you're a little off center there. Let me pull you up. Okay. Um, I should have checked this before, but. Hello. Let me just center you a little bit, but I have to ask you something. <clears throat> see if you have any insight. So see, th- this is the image, right? This is the album Im- image. What band is this, Peter? <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah. some some hacks or something yeah, i don't yeah, know right yeah, um, yeah but i'm gonna zoom in here and i want you uh, uh so if i uh zoom in mm-hmm. this building down here mm-hmm. looks like the palace from the astonishing is that an easter egg that's not intentional okay hang on i gotta put the old specs on it's vague, but there's this yeah. like three pillar. I just think, uh, is it not just the, uh, I may the architectural layout of the uh, the city or the maybe, landscape? maybe, yeah. and I I could be trying to find things that don't belong, but I saw that and I thought, oh man, there's in some of the concept art for the astonishing for the palace of, of the emperor, that's the mm. that's the the architectural yeah, layout. I, and I, I thought I think that's just coincidental, like. Okay. Something like that. I thought I had found like this great Easter egg. <laughs> well, you might have. You might have, and I'm not even aware of it. How about that? Yeah, well. That, that could be another scenario. Uh, maybe hey, I'll... There's, there's, things, there's things that our fans say and, and that they pick up on, and, we're, and, and the band members were like, what? I didn't even know about that. It's, like, how is that? We're, like, just, what, we're probably just true? looking for meaning. Like we're asking each other, is that true? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. We're just looking for meaning. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's kind of fun though. Yeah. It's part of the. Yeah. It's part of fandom. Sure. Um, okay. So in in the very first um, uh, track, the alien, you did the lyrics for this one, right? Correct. <clears throat> and I've and I've heard you talk about some of the inspiration for, from Elon Musk and terraforming, which is really cool. This is a place um, in in this record uh, or in this track rather. You know, like like on this opening verse, um, if I if I'm counting correct, it's oscillating between eight and, and nine, and you're finding wow. this, um, you know, this this you're making meaning of this rhythm that's hard to dance to and making it sound musical. Um, but one of the things that's really neat here is some of the effects they're laying, layering on your voice to give it this um, this quality, this like, um, you know, Houston control quality, like correct, we're starting correct. the journey. Are these yeah, things well, even, even the yeah. first line? Look beyond the earth. 
Yeah. And I come in that yuck, yeah, it's like it's all flanged and yeah. It's uh yeah, it's really cool uh because it, it feels like an altered state of reality already just because of the way the vocals coming in it seems like synthesized and you know it kind of sets yourself up for that okay where are we what what is the technology what are we yeah. trying to uh, achieve here yeah yeah so, it's um are those kinds of um ideas things that you throw around or is a lot of that kind of left to andy and team when they do the mix well the beauty of having somebody like jimmy t yeah who you were talking about earlier is he's incredibly smart he, like a very very intelligent individual and he's musical uh you know he plays he's slapping a bass man he's a bass player and all that stuff but but uh i think because jimmy t thoroughly understands who we are he's been working with us for quite some time now even when i think he first started working with us when he was like 18 oh yeah. wow i think so i think so um yeah and he's what 28 now uh anyways so uh but I would uh, go in and I would sing uh, the track down and then he would say, okay, man, leave it with me. I want to put everything in order, you know, and, and all that stuff. I go, yeah, 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 no, no, for sure. You know, and because uh, he knows my voice well enough, like even if I sang three times this line or four times this line or whatever, he'd just go, no, 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 no. Can you leave that with me and let me know what you think? And okay, because when I'm generally, I like to pick but I think, yeah, <laughs> you know, but with, with Jimmy T, he was just like, no, can you just uh, leave it with me? Okay, no problem. So it would be, he'd start, he'd play the whole track. And then I, at times I just go, wouldn't that be cool if that came in, you know, and it was a little affected and he go, and he's right there. And he's like, well, wait, wait a minute. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. And then he would affect it. Other times I just come in and listen to what he mixed. He'd give us just a rough mix and he's already thinking that stuff. Yeah. So sometimes it's just like, that's him. Well, it's yeah. just him like going, hey, I thought that this would be cool. I thought that this would be cool. And um, Richie, uh, uh, why can't I remember the freaking mixer's name? Jesus. Isn't it Andy? Uh, Andy, yeah. So uh, why am I thinking Richie? Jeez, I'm thinking Rich. Rich Chicky. Maybe because I was just talking to Rich Chicky. Yeah. Oh, that's probably it. Uh, so Andy, Andy was like when I used to have conversations when I leading up to him mixing the album, I'd tell him what I'm looking for vocally and what I like to hear and what within songs, like what I think should be put in there uh, effects wise. And he was already saying, he was going, well, you know, a lot of the stuff that Jimmy T is sending me, like he's, I love it. You know, yeah. I, I really like that and in, that interpretation. So yeah, leave it with me. And then maybe I can feed off of that. And I go, Hey, by all means, because what Jimmy T did is, is amazing. There's no doubt about it. One of the things that um, I loved about the way, and this is, you, you've done this before with on your vocals, but that is a lot of it on this record, is the double that you sing. Sometimes it's it's t mixed down like it usually is, three or five dB. So it's you know yeah, it gives sure. it that fullness. But sometimes yeah. um, you've brought it up so that it's it's uh, it's at the same level mm -hmm. and and you know it gives it this different effect and. The way that it was mixed, there were lines where it was it sounded like the one uh, one voice, and then the next one there would be two voices, and sometimes this it gave it this almost call and response feel. Um, mm -hmm. If the, you know, I maybe this is more of a comment than a question, but it 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 gave the the vocal renderings on this album such personality. 
Um, Personality I, and depth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know that I know that you have for a long time had this signature sound where you'll, you, you know, you'll sing something lower to give body to the vocal because you're yeah. so you're off so often so high in the stratosphere. Right. But but um, there was this this um this kind of playful and artful way that um, yeah. the mixing of the doubles was was brought up for certain lines and then pulled back for the next line. And it just mm-hmm. gave it like this. It was um, unpredictable and um, really musical. I don't. I wanted to comment on it. Very yeah. Well, thank you. No, I I think I think your your interpretation and and the way that you that it uh, impacted you is very accurate. I mean that that was, and I think when we're going, it wasn't intentional. Yeah. You know, because I, I, when I'm in the studio, I'm like, and this time. You know, you have to remember too. This was the first time that John Petrucci and I have been in the studio together when I'm doing my vocals since Black Clouds. Oh, so wow. it was kind of, it was kind of like, uh, you know, even though we're around each other a lot and we have been for the last thirty something years, uh, it was something that we had done in the past, but we hadn't done for so long. And it was, it was funny how we kind of fell into these conversations naturally. It wasn't like, oh, I want to bring something up to you. We would just, I would just say, hey, you know. I'm thinking maybe we should be doing this. I'm hearing this maybe doubled. I'm hearing this tripled. I'm hearing this stay single. Like, you know, the uh, uh, the very end of the epic, the moment that you recognize is where your limits lie, right? Yeah. Well, I just sang it and I just, just sang it right down. And then it was so funny. We're listening back to it. Jimmy did his magic, you know, oh, well, let me mix this, you know, and then you guys come back tomorrow and listen to it. And we got to that point at the end. And I was like, oh my God, that's just like, I could just so feel that. Like I'm right in the room. Like it's like a fan being able to come into the room and sit right beside me and listen to me sing that. Yeah. Right. And you know what the funny thing was, is that Jordan, Jordan, like he's, he's texting us. He goes, Hey guys, Hey James, you know, I, I think maybe maybe you should do a double on that. Because you know, because Jordan he gets really close to everything too, as well, sure. you know, and an incredible musician. And and I went, no, no way, man. Because yeah. that's what that part needs. That needs to stay almost naked, yeah. you know, yeah, almost raw. Even though I mean, you know, come on, like with the technology, I mean you're you're painting it. It's like a painter. And that's what jimmy t and andy were doing with it but you know that's just a prime example is like to know when to leave something single and to know when to make it a double or a triple you know and it's and i really do think that that's what gives an album like you were just saying it's personality you know and it it gives an album a little more dimension for the listener it's it's a it's a it's a, a better ride it's a better ride well in in that same spirit one of the things you did on this track and other tracks is you'd have a melodic line for the verse and in in one um at the to close one phrase you'd go up and close another phrase you'd go down so there was this never there's no predictability here and 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 then in the next time and then in the in the next verse and this is again on multiple tracks you change you change the line subtly so there's this um you're never I, i love the i love it when it's unpredictable but it's also um i'm sure it makes it more interesting for you to sing but it also mm-hmm. builds like as you're, as the song progresses, right. like the lines themselves are growing. It's a, it's a very mature songwriting technique that I, a lot of like young musicians, I think just aren't aware of. Um, yeah. And so artfully done on this record. Oh, well, thank you. Wow. 
that's great. You, I mean, I think it's like anything in life, Peter. I think I think you know, uh, experiences is our our truest wisdom. Yeah. You know, because you just you learn, you learn from. Well, hopefully, you learn from it. Yeah. And you're able to evolve because of these experiences. Like I've always said, you know, uh, working with Dream Theater and then working with other musicians from around the world and doing my solo albums and stuff like that that is it's integral to continuing to grow and then you take those experiences and you bring it back into the band with you and back into dream theater and that that stands true for everybody in the band you know they always we always have stories hey how was it to work with you know oh my god it was so cool and you can tell that there was it it was another learning curve because you get, it's all about communication and it's all about that, you know, reciprocal kind of like, you know, Oh, I'm doing this. I'm feeling this. I'm thinking this. And then wait a minute, what are you bringing back? Oh, wow. I never even thought of that. I haven't, I haven't experienced that before. And I just think it's a beautiful thing. And, And I would highly recommend people or musicians out there, artists that don't, don't don't think you know you just you just got to keep it in one room go out work with other musicians yeah it's a beautiful thing it, um yeah. and this this whole conversation with regard to dream theater um mm-hmm. you know you guys have you, you have the benefit of a fan base that has kind of remained loyal when the winds of change in rock and metal have kind of blown whether it was grunge or um, new metal these sorts of things you guys weren't really affected by that um, so you're no. able to continue to write records. Because we stuck out like a sore thumb. I know. You, like you defined a certain sonic like yeah. experience. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of known as as uh, the premier uh, progressive metal band. And and when you usually when you've gathered fans, they're, they they remain fans. And so um, you've done successive records, and you guys are are a working band. You're not. We and we said this last time. You don't. You're not going out and just playing pull me under every time. You, you have a new album every time you yeah. tour. Um, and so this idea of growth yeah. is really um, central to who Dream Theater is. And I wanted, this is the, the next compliment I want to pay you. Uh, and that is that I think in, a, in the next track, Answering the Call, you, you did the lyrics on this one too, if I, my notes are right. Yes. yes I believe, yes. James, this is a high watermark for you as a lyricist. Hmm. Um, okay. I, I mean, you know, and this is a subjective opinion because everybody's reacts differently to art and music. Yeah, yeah, sure, I sure. love, I love what you've done with this particular song. Um, the, the conceit of it and how you express it. Uh, yeah. I've read every lyric you've ever written. And I think this is, and I, I love so much of it. This is, wow. I think this is growth, man. This is, this is for me, um, just a high watermark. It was, uh, wow. it's became my favorite. Well, I can't wait until you see the lyrics I wrote on the, on, on my next solo album. Oh, I can't wait for you to see those. Yeah, dude. You know? Because I'm really, really stoked on them as well. So, but thank you, Peter. I, I, you know, I I think, you know, like, that's the other thing is that I I think the longer you do something, the the more focus you have in what it is that needs to be done in order to convey and express it accurately and effectively and effectively. And um, I know when I, uh, I, I mean, I guess it also has to do with the subject matter. Sure. It's very poignant. And, and I think that uh, I was very moved uh, to write the lyric and, it, you know, it's all about, you know, the tyranny around the world, oppression, you know, and that, 
you know, at the end of the day, what do we want? We all want the same thing. We want to be loved. We want to be respected. We want to be accepted. Yep. Uh, we want to be treated fairly and equally and, uh, and, and have, have our liberties and not, not be having someone tell us what we can and can't do. So yep. I think, you know, with this lyric, it, it's all about, it, it's, it's in tribute to those, to those tens of millions of people around the world, or even more maybe that are, still having to live under this rule of thumb that it, it's so horrible. It's heart-wrenching. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, these, those are the notes I made. The very, my very first mm -hmm. thought was that you were addressing power structures uh, and there, you, you've got lines like embrace our fellow man, uh, no longer vilified, um, mm -hmm. you know, illuminating all, all answering the call, like this idea of answering the call. I have, I have a pretty clear idea what I think that means, but okay. um like if I, my, my subjective reaction to it is that as humans, there's, there's, we're called to sort of give of ourselves in the interest of others, you know, to, to love and to um, not put down. It, it seems like it's this helping hand up um, that is at the core of this. And of course the, the opposite of that or the thing that tries to compromise that is anybody who wants authority over you. Um, and you, you know, so many of the lyrics, you know, you, uh, like in the second verse, you use these you use this imagery that just really sort of calls this to question. You talk about um, an ultimate price to pay, weeping mother too late to cry, um, holding the truth can't ignore the lie. I mean, these are I think these are very powerfully rendered um, lyrics. But but that's my that's what I'm thinking. I'd love to hear a little bit of your thoughts on if you if you were to, someone to ask you in an elevator, what does answering the call mean? And you have 11 seconds. What would you tell them? That, that answering the voice from within, that, that we, we should know immediately, um, instinctually, what is right from wrong. Yeah. So answering the call is, let's do the right thing. If we all come together and we say enough is enough, we're answering that call that everyone, every human being is going to all of a sudden find that, that harmony and that connection and that similarity of between us all that yeah. instead of being divisive let's let's come together so it's answering the call of you know what we're missing the mark here everyone we're all the same uh we are you know all after the same thing like that acceptance like what i was saying yeah. so answering the call of love and peace yeah it, i love that idea you know we're more the same than we are different seems we exacerbate yeah. the differences rather yeah. than leaning in on what how we are you know, to your know. point, people want to be but, happy. But you see that that's that's ignorance right there. It's like people that want to perpetuate differences. It's like, well, wait a minute, okay, yeah, but that's what gives us our individuality, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But if you're going to point that out, don't forget to point out all the similarities. Yeah. Which there's way more similarities than there are differences. Yeah, and you, you it, it ends with this interrogative: Will you wager your life? Um, and that's that's a very pointed, open-ended, open-ended question for people to ponder with everything that has gone before. Um, it's a it's a favorite track uh, musically for sure, but uh, I think that this is just. Uh, I mean, oh. I, I hate to sound too like I'm just um, blowing sunshine, but it, it's uh, so wonderfully rendered lyrically, and I oh, I uh, I care about lyrics, as you know. That means so. a lot to me. Yeah. Thank you. No, like uh, you know, and then coming from someone as yourself and uh you know I, I just you know i i know where you're coming from as far as the understanding of uh 
grammatically and and also as the English language and how you've expressed yourself in your books and that. So yeah, that's uh hey, all right. Yeah, keep at it, man. It's right it's, on. You're just on an upward trajectory in my mind. Cool. Um, next track is Invi- Invisible Monster. Is Wayne Joyner? I think he's doing your a lot of your cinematics. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Dude. Wayne Joyner is going to be doing the stuff on my, uh, on my solo stuff. Too. Oh, that's well. great. Yeah. He's yeah. such a great he's guy. Amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. And very... yeah, he's responsible for these, uh, the visuals for sure. Yeah. He's done a great job. There's some nice echoes, um, with some of the imagery, like the mask that eats, that's used in invisible monster is it, it looks very much like the same as the mask in the video that's used in Awaken the Master. Oh, okay, but hang on. Let me back up there because I'm actually... Uh, uh, okay, so Invisible Monster was a video that we shot in Manhattan, the entire band being there, and that was with uh, another director, uh, Wombat, is the way that I, I remember him. I kept calling him his nickname, Wombat. Okay. But if you actually look that up, I'm pretty sure it comes up. And he's amazing. And it's him and his wife, their team. Uh, and I mean, obviously they have other people in their production house uh, back in, uh, I'm not sure exactly where they're from, uh, but uh, yeah. And he he completely uh, understood. And then he he wrote the, uh, the treatment for the video. And it, it was really cool. It was like, uh, you know, we all kind of uh, embraced it yeah wholeheartedly and and um and he was great you just got there and it's like oh my god he had this this room all set up and and he's just like okay it's going to be real simple you guys are going to go out there you're going to perform the song from start to finish we're going to do it about five or six times then i'm going to move on to the next guy i i want to get certain angles and then all the post-production i already have in mind so all that you know he did a great uh, job. Yeah, and he, it, he was amazing. It might just speak to some sort of coherence across the record that even rendered by two different creatives for the two, the two videos, there is a seminal image that exists in both of them of this sort of mask. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and he uses it to sort of typify, um, you know, the, the inner, you know, the inner demon. In this case, I think it has a lot to do with sort of anxiety. I've heard John yeah. talk about. But yeah. later in Awaken the Master, there's still this idea of, there's something inside that needs and it's um the way wayne kind of renders that is with a similar sort of mask and i just love the echoes Uh, again this is could be me looking for meaning because i'm always looking for meaning um but there is a lot of the discovery of the interior person in this record with a with across multiple um you know and a lot of absolutely a lot of it laddering up to this idea of the with the title track of you know pushing Mm -hmm. pushing past your own boundaries um, to something that's this um, a purer truth, uh, like with capital T, like you like you wrote about in the yeah, last yeah. one of peace and love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a it's a it's a great video, and this is a, this is an example in that second verse where you've got these crazy rhythms going, and then you come in with a a lyric um, th- where they they dial back, and it's it's almost entirely dry. The the processing on top of it starts with the, the, the lyric perched. Hiding, never showing its face, feeding on irrational fear. Are you talking about that part? It th- and then it comes in with, uh, I don't know what the full lyric is, I'll look it up, but it begins with the word perched. Um, uh, oh, oh, perched on its victim's shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. That in that oh, section, well, I'm, not, I'm probably not in the right register or key, but whatever. No, the point, the point yeah. is, is, um, this is just another place where the the record is artfully created yeah. um you know to to do something interesting with the vocal 
um, mm-hmm. to give it personality. I just wanted to call attention yeah, yeah. to it. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, you listen to something and it's just uh, the and and rightfully so the experience just takes you somewhere. You're not, you know, doing this sort of detail analysis, but then you go back mm-hmm. and listen to it. You start to you start to sort of see the artistry. Um, yeah. And with the band yeah. like Dream Theater, of I course, remember it's when, when John uh, showed me uh, that melody for that that part. He goes, "Oh, I got a really cool melody. I want to throw at you." for this, this verse, you know, and it was that perched on its victim's shoulder, uh, whispering in its ear, yeah. uh, things that may never happen, worries too much to bear, I believe are the words, but, and he showed me and I'm like, oh my God, that's freaking awesome. Like, yeah. That's brilliant because it just goes so well with the movement, yeah. you know, what's going on musically, you know, it's just like, oh my God, it's rhythmically such a great marriage yeah. there between the music and the vocal it's beautiful it's something it's, beautiful. it's something yeah. you guys do pretty well when you when you create your vocals is um mm-hmm. and i think an under sort of valued or and an, and maybe an art that's not as um present in all bands is but the vocal rhythms right. oh, i mean yeah. there's always this melody but finding the rhythm so that it's and, and it, it's a particular challenge for you guys because you do so many interesting um things with rhythm but well um, at, at times the voice can be very percussive right in, absolutely in theater you know, but there's a purpose behind it. It's not just freaking random. It's, it's, oh, wait a minute. This would be really cool to do this because it's going to add that much more excitement yeah, and make it that much more effective to the listener. Well, I mean, and you always have to be thinking in that, especially in a band like this. Yeah. I mean, not only am I uh, allotted the, the, the uh, expansive uh, tapestry of being able to express myself on every level because of the music right so uh, like it's 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 a vocalist dream you yeah. know no pun intended but yeah. you know that you can you can take this and no matter what the song is like you're not held to okay well you know like aren't you just a, a hard rock band so you're going to sing in that mode all the time no we can be doing stuff that sounds like fusion jazz uh classical Yep. Right. And and we're all over the place, progressive, heavy metal, all that shit. So it's just like, oh, wait a minute, I'm coming up to another part. Oh, this song's going to be allowed me to use this part of my voice and this part and be able to be this kind, uh, um, be somewhat emotional in this vein of the vocal approach. And it's just it's, it's exciting because it keeps everything so fresh and so that, fresh. And these um these know? different. um rhythmic approaches and melodic approaches have been there um, all the time. But I remember the first time I heard take the time and that whole opening oh, man, yeah. thing. It, it, in my mind, it was the first sort of metal rap. I mean, it was the, 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 <laughs> the nature of yeah, that yeah. opening um, thing. It's like, so, so yeah. different. And you, yeah. you guys have always done this with the vocal, um, yeah. vocal uh, rhythms, which is something that's not vocalists don't always think about. Right. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. talking let's let's talk a little bit about sleeping giant there's a mm-hmm. there's a at about the four minute and 28 second mark uh you make this vocal decision to do to sing on vowels i think they're they, they sound like woes but you're singing on the vowel oh, yeah. and it is um i, I, just, I had to stop and and uh, listen to it several times because i realized that that's something that i haven't heard a lot in rock and roll uh, for a long time, where it's the voice as an instrument just singing on the vowel. Yeah, it becomes anthemic. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I know. 
Oh my gosh. I, I got a good story behind that one. Yeah. I got a good story. So I, I, I came into the studio and, um, you know, because we had, we had left the night before I was like singing this and that and some backgrounds of other pieces and other songs. And, and John was telling me about that particular point in the song. He's like, yeah, you know, we're going to like, uh, what do you think about this? You think we should even, uh, do something like that? And I go, hang on i hear what you're saying and then we play the piece and i'm singing it in my head and i'm sitting there with my coffee and you know as well as i do okay you you have a coffee when you're a singer you better give yourself an hour before you go and sing anything right because caffeine in that yeah right it's just like you shouldn't be touching that so anyways i'm sitting there with my espresso and i go jimmy t let's do this and he's like what what are you talking about james I go, let's do this, man. I'm going in. I'm going to stand behind the mic and I'm doing this section right now. So that whole thing you heard, yeah. I'm literally standing there. Whoa. And, I'm saying, <laughs> and we nailed it down. And then Jimmy's like, that's great, man. It's all done. And I said, okay, now I'm going to have lunch and then we'll go in and sing the rest of the track. And it was just <laughs> so funny. But it's- And then John Petrucci's like, holy shit. Okay. That's exactly what I was hearing. You know, and it was, like we had a lot of fun doing this because we were just, you know, like we're, we're like a, we're like a bunch of kids in a freaking candy shop when you start doing things, yeah. you know, and it, and it's just, you, it's great too that you can, what you might think would be the approach, the approach, and what has been laid out as okay, here's the blueprint, okay, yeah. right, we're both we we both agree that this is the vocal melody or whatever, and okay, yeah, and then but it's not until I get behind the microphone. I'll come up to some sections and I'll go, and I've told you this before. I'll go, whoa, whoa, uh-uh. yeah. this doesn't, this is nowhere near what we heard in our head when we were singing it, you know, with an acoustic guitar and I'm just singing it there and all that. Uh, so let's, let's change this. And, and you just change it on the fly, but that's, that's some of the exciting stuff is that you're changing it. It's spontaneous. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. I'm hearing this now. Boom, do it, lay it, lay it down. Let's hear it. And that's, you know, you have a lot of fun. And that sort of spontaneity and openness to like creative being on the, on the fly, um, man, that section, it surprised me and it delighted me and it gave me chills hearing that Mm -hmm. sort of that big sort of, you know, choral thing in the back with you singing on the bow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It was very cool moment. Very cool moment on the record for me. Right on. That chorus, that chorus, if I count them right, is in seven, but it's got this waltz feel. So there's another time where, you know, you're singing against an odd time, but you you Mm -hmm. give it this sort of legato beauty. Um, um, I just wanted to call attention to it. It, it, It's another place where, you know, we talked about your timing earlier, um, you know, um, you doing some interesting things in your cameos Uh that are Uh creative. Right. When you're singing against these okay. tracks, you know, they're, they're throwing some stuff at you. And um, to be honest, uh, I think a lot of these are made sense of by the vocal you put on top of them. Um, uh, right. Anyway. Well, that, but you know what? I, I, that's great that you're pointing that out. Thank you, Peter. And it absolutely has to be. It has to be cohesive, you know. And I'm not saying that everything always hits its mark. You might You might listen back. Like I might go back to whatever album, let's just say whatever album from our discography and I'll go, yeah, yeah. I think we we're really close, but now when I listen to it, I'll go, and, and it's only been maybe a few instances yeah. where I'll listen to a song and I'll go that I would have tweaked that, or I might've tweaked that 
as far as a melody, you know, yeah. um, just because I think now that, that that might not have connected as, as smoothly as we thought, you know, and I think that's the thing is that um, it has to feel seamless and it has to feel natural. Yeah. And I think the, the, the other things that I'm always looking for when I'm creating a, a melody, and I know that I, I, I spoke with John too, when he's creating melodies and, and Jordan, and I always say, you know, like, I, I want to be the contrast, so to speak, but at the same time, that doesn't always work. But that's my initial go-to is if something's then I'm going to go like more like legato, you know, and I think you need to create that because then there's two elements going on and it's a back and forth. It's, it's flow and tide. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, You, yeah, yeah, that, and that's that's there's a lot of that on this record because a lot of yeah. the instrumentation is so um, frenetic and so percussive and right. Um, I and I love it, but part of I think what helps it um, shine as a as a whole song once you've come on on top of that is that uh, whether the timing or the frenetic p- um, pace and rhythms or both, um, you're laying down this this vocal line that. Um, doesn't sound disjointed, even though mm-hmm. it's over right. timing that most people find odd. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. This, I'm just underscoring your point no, that's there. That's great, man. Yep. Um, yeah. In in Awaken the Master, uh, <laughs> it's kind of the same. This is another one. I think this is this is the one where Wayne just did some really really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Imagery. Um, but this is another one that kind of mm-hmm. does the same thing. Um, uh, and I know this is the one with the big eight string. <laughs> And so, yeah. uh, and, oh, yeah. and, oh, and actually I'm going to, I'm going to roll back. You did this thing and this actually is tip, typical of the record. Um, at the end of the, uh, end of that, um, vocal line in, uh, actually it's in, it's in transcend, um, no, it's in sleeping giant. You did this thing where, and I've heard you do this on other records, but the, the, uh, oscillation that you use in your vibrato is, um, neither, fast nor sh- or nor long um and you it, it, it leads me to a point about your control of your vibrato because i've heard you do these deep long powerful oscillations especially live and then i've heard you do them where the frequency is is um is shorter it's and nuts. and yeah. i don't know i don't know how much you think about this is i guess this is the question um or how much of this is instinctive based on what the song needs but you do you do manifestly like control the vibrato differently for different songs right yeah i absolutely do I, and I, and i think that that it's it also believe it or not it's feeding off of the the timing and it's feeding off of the rhythm of the song that i feel that in some in some in many instances i've said well why don't i support that with a vibrato the interval of the vibrato should somehow yeah. kind of reflect that, you know, yeah. a little, a little more uh, uh, subliminally, but, but it should somehow nod towards the, the time signature of the song. Yeah. So I will do that on purpose. Uh, um, and I have, uh, that was just something naturally that I was, ex- that fell upon me, even when I was in my teens singing and I just thought, well, you know what, that's kind of cool. And, and let me, 
you know, let me develop that, you know, and uh, let me see where I can go with that. Yeah. Yeah. The choice you made on the, the lyrics spinning a common thread. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I hear these kinds of things, James, and then this may make me kind of weird, but I heard, Oh my gosh, no, the vibrato man, choice right. he made there was so sort of beautifully subtle. Um, and this, the subtleties just kind of the things that give me chills. Um, right. I so I wanted to track back to that because it, I, I think that I think that you know like we're yourself because you're a vocalist, Peter, yeah. and and I think so you're you're going to be extremely sensitive to anything that I'm doing vocally, and and that stands true for any singer. Like if you were when you're singing stuff, I'm listening to all those little nuances and you know um, like anything any the the cadence that you might use and. And it, it's the inflections, all that stuff is just, that's what I'm really intrigued by. And that comes back to singers that I love that were very expressive. And it was because of those little subtleties and the little, you know, uh, sugar and spice that they put on top of something that I was like, wow, wait a minute, that yeah. does make a difference. That totally does make a difference. And for most listeners and for most fans, that's something that they're not going to consciously go, oh, I see why I did that. Or, oh, oh, my God, that's so cool. But they're going to still feel it. Yeah, that's they're right. They're going to feel it. And it is going to make the experience that much better because and, of that. And this, I mean, this carries through um, a lot on this record. We, we've talked about growth a couple of times. This was the track, even though I'd been hearing these things and I'd been like making notes of them. When we got to Awaken the Master and, you know, sonically it's kind of different because it's got this this heavy new guitar. Um, yeah. and, and by the way, the choice could have been easy to make just do a chunk fest, but you guys don't do yeah, that. Of course. Um, becomes right. a very musical song. But the choices yeah. you make on the vocals here um, with, you know, very poetic, poetic language. I think John Myung wrote the lyrics for this one. Mm -hmm. um, but then you do this, you, the way you sing this and the choices you make for the melodies seem to be a really good example of you making choices in service of the song, not not just as a demonstration of what James can do vocally. Uh, and this is, a, was, go ahead. Yeah. That was, no, that was a difficult song. Like John and John Petrucci and I had to sit down and, you know, he had a lot of ideas, but we really had to uh, massage that song uh, melodically. Yeah. Just, just cause, of what the music was doing and then to make uh the lyrics be fully uh appreciated and and um and realized in the form that they were we actually had to do some editing you know uh yeah. word wise but but i think the you know without losing john my young's message and um but that was a, that was a song that it, we really had to think about it. Um, not that we're not thinking about any other song, sure. but I mean, there's some songs that you that you come up against and you're like, wow, you know, this is going to be a bit of a hill. But if you if you you know, like anything, that's cool too. And challenges is what uh, you know really makes you appreciate uh, you know those small victories, right? Because you're able to to grow from it once again, and um, and going in and, and singing that, I, I remember we were tweaking as we were singing, as we were singing, as I was singing. Yeah. And you know, we whether we what whatever section we might come up to, um, uh, what was that? It, it starts off with uh, oh the second part, a flower unfolds, a heartbeat brings new meaning, 
to the universe. Um, what was it? The angel of balance keeps you strong, discovering what has been, what might, uh, what has been all along. And to get that, believe me, yeah, that was something. Well, I knew to get there and make that as smooth as it was. You know, it, it wasn't just like bing bing. Oh yeah, man. Oh, this dude. is it. Whereas it, where it is that with other songs, it's like it's so obvious. Oh, there's a melody, boom, yeah. and that's not going anywhere. But with this kind of because everything that was going on in that song, it's just it's a it's. I love the track. I yeah, it's, it's a great track. It's a killer track, and but vocally, I, it's a beautiful marriage. It really is. But to for John and I to get there, it was a lot of tweaking and took some work. And John Trucci, I mean, you know what he's like as as a musician. He's a phenomenal musician, and and you know. All you have to say to John is, no, I don't think we're there. And we're not feeling it. And he's just like, oh, good. let's just go. And we just keep going, keep going until we get it, you know, because he's, uh, you know, he, even if it's something that you think is like, oh, I don't know how we're going to get past it. We'll get it. We'll yeah. get it for sure. I knew when I was listening to this track, like and I was hearing what was going on beneath it, that this was, it was a challenge to get to a vocal line that was memorable and worked with the music. Um, and you guys did it. And I, this is just a, you know, it's a testament to the fact that you guys will continue to push yourselves against, you know, because I, I know I heard in one of your interviews talking about, I think it was Invisible Monster, where so much of the, the vocal lines seemed just to come out. It was like easy, like it, it was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think John may yeah. have said that. Um, yeah. Well, we're short on time. A couple of quick questions. Um, sure. Uh, so the last track, the title track, um, which uh-huh. is glorious, is some, you know, and jordan's whipping out horns and all sorts of stuff to give this this uh, epic open amazing. jordan's amazing yeah. uh, um so yeah. i mean it sets a really really cool stage here and then there's places in here like right at the beginning this is a place where you you introduce a little bit of grit in the voice uh on these yeah. verses and yeah. it, it's it's clearly deliberate i was wondering like um how you arrived at the choice to do that i'm really interested in your process there is it just a natural, like, I feel like the lyrics are need to lean in on a little bit of roughness or is it some, uh, you know, it's funny because whenever I'm uh, approaching a song, uh, when I'm even, uh, playing around with the, with the melodies and that, and like John, you know, he, uh, he was really, really decided on, on the melodies for this song, uh, where they were going to go and, and the placement and the register and all this stuff. And, you know, and, and uh, well, he'll tell you too. When we got to uh, 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 see a view from the top of the world, you should have seen us playing with that. Like, oh my god! Because it, it was just uh, like John. I still remember John sitting there going, uh, "Oh man, you know, I, I'm thinking like old classic uh, Maiden." I, mean, I still remember him saying that. No, hey, James, James, it's old classic Maiden. We're gonna. I go well. I'm not hearing that main yet. <laughs> we got to tweak this, man. <laughs> Cause uh, it's not, it's not hit me. And then we did, we tweaked it that all of a sudden it, you know, it was coming out. Cause at first I think there was way too many words and then we weren't, we weren't getting there. And then he's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll do some editing. And, and we did, but with, with the actual, the grit on this. And I think my whole point is that when I'm just uh, in the rehearsal stages, like singing through a song and and, and we're sitting down and we're, and we're thinking about the melodies and all that stuff. I'm always singing it clean, but it's mm. not, it's not Peter until I, I get 
behind the microphone and I'm actually there, the song's cranking in my headphones and then it's like, boom, you know, yeah. and I come up. Um, what's the first line there? What is it? Um, uh, you have it? I'll pull it up. But anyway, so, you know, I, I knew as soon as I uh, like started hitting it, uh, 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 the fire that burns within us. Oh, yeah. To carry out a dream, uh, chasing new ambitions, yeah, determined to succeed. And then it comes to stretch beyond the limits. Like I, I knew I, I had to, get, to keep all that clean, but as soon as you start increasing the intensity, yeah, I, I just naturally felt the rasmus coming, coming out, you know, it just felt it, it was appropriate, yeah, and and I did. and for argument's sake, I would sing some of the parts that I did keep raspy. I'd sing them clean, and it just didn't translate the same. Well, it was it was, it was nice and pretty sounding, sure, but it was kind of like, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like we're not really hitting the point, and we're not supporting the lyric. Well, here's way. here's a very esoteric observation, sure, and you can sure. say, hey, Arulian, you're just up in the night on this, but when no, you no, no, no. you hey. begin these verses and you do this and it, it, you, you lean in a little bit on the grit early in the, these verses. Um, in the, in the next set of verses, um, you're, it, it is entirely clean and it's a little bit lighter. You, you do, you lean in on that breathiness that you do so well. Um, but it, but it, it grows, it's different. And then in the, mm -hmm. in the uh, fourth verses, you begin to the introducing of intro, uh, excuse me, introduction of more backing vocals. And so there's this organic right. build, that happens and, and you know this is good because it's 21 minutes or whatever so you know you you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want it to grow right. but yeah. but i don't know it, it, i'm sure that there's some measure of consciousness in this but um maybe some of this is you guys have just evolved into in the maturity of your songwriting to know mm -hmm. to, to do some of this naturally but i wanted to tell you this is stuff that i notice when i go through um and it's uh, it's why That's i love right. listening so attentively to the music you guys make because it's not it's it's not it, there's never repetition um uh in the same way that although i although some fans will say that that there is oh well <laughs> i guess i just hear it differently yeah. and then yeah. i can debate with them uh, a separate we're copying time. ourselves but that's okay no that, that's right. no i i think that i mean this 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 is gonna probably draw some heat too but i think anybody who um makes the makes the claim that you guys are copying yourselves aren't listening mm-hmm Right. Uh, that's right. my that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'll stand behind yeah, that. I, I I don't get that. You know, I mean, uh, they're sounding or I've seen like they're, or they're sounding too much like themselves. Well, excuse me. Well, and you, this I, whole I song, that's who we are. We are ourselves. You know, this this but, song uh, itself stands it, almost like a, it's subjective. Right. But yeah, I, you know, I, with. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, when you're looking at a. a any kind of an epic track, I think that, or any track, it doesn't matter if it's nine minutes or seven, five, four. I, I think you always have a have a pretty good grasp on um, what it is that you've laid out in front of you, and you know where you want to take it, what it is that you're trying to uh, get across. And I think, especially in an epic track, like there's so much going on. And you want to um, hold the listener's attention. So in order to do that, you know, you're looking at so many um, uh, stages 
like it's almost like building uh, building the plot in a movie yeah. or in a book. And, and you have to have that dynamic, you know, where, um, okay, so we're, we're approaching it this way. Like, if you think about the way that this song opens, it's very cinematic to me. Absolutely. You know, and, and then for everything else to come in and then the ride that you take going through that, to me, it, it feels like a, a movie unfolding in front of your eyes and you can visualize everything that's being said, you know? Um, and I think one of the beautiful things is that, you know, you've nailed something uh, with all the parts that go into an extended piece when it doesn't feel like an extended piece, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And that was one thing that we did. We, we listened to the song when it was done. Jimmy T did one of his great initial uh, like rough mixes and you know, John, John and I were sitting there with Jimmy T and we listened to the song from beginning to end and, and we're laughing at the end. We're like, okay, first of all, holy shit, this sounds great. Secondly, I don't know about you guys, but 20 minutes just went by. Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) It did not feel like that. Uh, Honest to God, it, you know, it, it just, and that's, that's a great sign when you don't feel like, oh my God, how much more of this is there? Like, I gotta go, you know? Yeah. I felt I felt the same way about this track and then the, the the layers I put on top of it just from my own listening subjectivity was that it, this, the, you know, the things about climbing to the top, um, yeah. pursuing something. And, and um, it felt like that. I felt like I was on the journey. It opens with, it sets this sort of theme and it's going to be this, you, you know, this big thing, like you described very cinematic. And then I were climbing. Uh, and what's really interesting about this, as I thought about it in retrospect, then is this is kind of in some ways a comment on, in my mind, dream theater. You guys have accomplished so much and you do yeah. sit at this sort of um, position inside the progressive metal community that is coveted because you guys have accomplished so much. And yet the, the album itself stands as this testimony to your your feeling of continuing to push and grow. I think one of the Absolutely. lyrics in Awaken the Master talks about, you know, you get there and then, you, or, or maybe it's in this one, and then you realize you're halfway there. Um, right. And so I just, it's, it's all, it's beautifully rendered thematically. And I, and I, on this last track, I think is one of the great epics that you guys have written. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're halfway there is, is definitely uh, Awaken the Master. And the thing is like the, the, the whole uh, lyric subject on, on the, uh, the epic track is about, thrill seekers, adrenaline, people mm. that want to push their physical limits to the extreme with, with, you know, even the uh, knowledge and awareness that they could be paying the ultimate price. And it's people that love, you know, whether, uh, whatever it might be, yeah. parachuting or mountain climbing or whitewater rafting or again, who knows what, but it's, it's people that want to push themselves to the extreme and beyond their physical limits. And, uh, I think it makes for a really, a really cool uh, lyric and ride, you know? It's, it's really cool, James. And this is, let me just show you something real quick. I know we're, I yeah. just got to keep you for one extra minute if I can. Okay, sure. Um, so here's some of the album imagery. And so yeah. he, you got this kid, he's mm-hmm. in this kind of barren room and mm-hmm. the view that he can get, his top of the world is on a chair. And there's just something so poetic, like yeah. in his mind, he's at the top of the world. He's and, and I know that there's some fantasy element here, but there's a yeah. beauty in. Well, that's in, Hugh. That that's the beautiful mind of Hugh Syme. Okay, you know, he's just brilliant. He's brilliant. But yeah, Hugh, 
Hugh comes up with this stuff and it's just like, oh my God. And then God. there's this one. Yeah, this, yeah. That's very powerful. Power, you know, yeah. he's his top of the world is not the top of a mountain. And I know a lot of the imagery no, no. with the record is, right. you know, nature. This kid's mm -hmm. top of the world is looking down on the streets of Manhattan or wherever right. it is. Um, right, yeah. There's some. There's yeah, just no, some no. really nice... Which like, gives it, which would give him a, a, a true perspective of the, uh, I don't know, of, of life itself and how grandiose it, it is, you know, and, yeah. and remarkable and beautiful and look at what we're, you know, it, yeah. it's just a, a thrill, a it, thrill. I think it kind of suggests that you can, the theme of the album itself is can have lots of reflections based on the listener absolutely um okay so um one or two kind of funny ones and then i'm gonna let you go okay sure so uh if you imagine sometime in the future it's your last dream theater show you guys have decided mm -hmm. to hang it up and you're 90 <laughs> or however old you'll be <laughs> um what are tell me a couple of songs that you want on that set list for you and at this point, you're going to have 90, a... Peter. If I'm 90, I want none. <laughs> okay. But, but no, uh, ooh, Jesus. Okay. Spirit carries on for sure. Mm. That would have to be in the set. Yeah. We would definitely have to go out, uh, with pull me under for sure. Yeah. And probably I would probably make a joke going, you know, because I know that I'm going to pretty much soon be there, <laughs> pull me under. but um, but you're not afraid. I, and I'm not afraid. I, I actually, I think at 90 years old, I'd probably be saying, no, no, okay, let's go. It's time. Okay. <laughs> We've done this ride. Let's go. Um, but um, probably the, um, another one. Uh, oh man. You know, uh, oh boy. Is there like a, a James Labrie favorite that maybe doesn't get in every set list, but is just a, song you'd want to sing for you that last set um maybe the last set's everything disappear 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 okay disappear for like sure it. yeah because I, that is a beautiful song and it is uh it, it's stylistically one of those songs that really sticks out in our catalog yeah i believe yeah you know yeah, it's I think a you're beautiful right. song it's a beautiful song yeah and then With the old cello and you know? Oh yeah, and and that was another thing. Um, now I'm blanking the track, but uh, Jordan whipped out a cello uh, on one of these things, and it's just so Spartan, but so beautiful. You just get to hear this string, mm -hmm. and I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have done that before, but it, you don't do it all the time. So it really stood out on this record as this sort of quiet moment that was really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Here's my last sure. question, dude. What do you okay. want most to be remembered for? Mm. I know this is sort of a uh, the, the the music that I was a part of the music that I created the you know like the the being a a, a part of a, a band that's had a, an amazing ride and we plan on doing it for quite some time still but uh, yeah just being remembered as a an artist that stood true to his craft. Yeah. I know it's kind of an existential question, and I know you guys are far from done. But um, mm -hmm. I like to ponder these things sometimes. And I think you will. I think you will, uh, as the canon of rock and metal continues to grow, I, I believe that you stand in a very um, thought-leading and uh, craft-leading place there. Uh, I know it's been true for me, and I know it's been true with a lot of aspiring vocalists. Um, so with that, dude, I want to thank you for your time. 
Uh, you've been gracious as always. Um, Thank you, Peter. No, and I, I love I love your show. So I love being on here, and uh, we, we definitely have to do it again when uh, we can talk about the solo album. Yeah, let's sure. do that next spring whenever yeah. you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend. Until next okay. time, you take good care. Take care, Peter. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, man. Yeah.